We're counting y'all in in three, two. You're listening to WNER in the morning with Big Ben. Top of the morning to you, governor. And Twisted T. (laughs) Now that's fine porch living. Big Ben and Twisted T in the morning on WNER. Gotta what an intro! intro. Uh, what an intro! It's your boy the beer. Do it already. <laughs> it's your boy Big Ben and Twisted T to the left of me or right of me. I'm not even <laughs> sure where I am. Whatever. Uh, what happy intro. Fartoween, everybody! Happy Fartoween! <laughs> oh my God! Do we say? Have you been enjoying stuff? this Fartoween, Ben? Oh, it's been extra smelly this year. Oh, my Lord. It's been so good. I think I need to take at least three flushes to get it down. Uh, we all watch Shuba Halloween. Yep. We all going to be <laughs> mad when it isn't in, you know, nominated for an Oscar. You damn right I am. Nominate normal movies. Yeah. Just, nobody's seen these movies that they nominate, and Adam Sandler is a national treasure. Yeah. <laughs> and then we will be back uh, with uh, best ass cracks right after this break. But first, Creeps Radiohead. <laughs> Ah, that's fun. Happy Halloween. What's up? It's your boys from Not Exactly Radio. By the way, we didn't turn into some shock jock. It's just a Halloween costume we threw together last minute. And by last minute, I mean, Kevin came up with an awesome plan. Holy shit. I didn't Anyways. come up with an awesome plan. Tony came up with well, the yeah, awesome plan. Well, yeah, Tony came up with the awesome plan. I should plan. say Twisted D came Twisted. up with the awesome plan. <laughs> Next year, we're going to try to do a whole episode like that. Oh, that's going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> and I'm going to have to play along with everything. So, I mean, nope. don't don't diss adam sandler so much but anyways no i just i just gotta go back to actually listening to shock jock morning zoo radio (laughs) to figure out my third wheel persona there it is Uh, um i already i had that idea for a while and then i watched uh tim heidecker uh has a his own little morning show called office hours on thursdays with him and his some of his comedy cohorts and they kind of do the same thing except you know a fun version. <laughs> Not two bloated conservative man men acting like their opinions are being subjugated, even though they've been doing radio for 30 years. Um, 40. <laughs> for some. For some. Uh, oh, but, sorry. I didn't know. Specific. <laughs> but yeah, uh, those are, that's on at Thursdays on uh, the YouTube. All right. Oh, let's find that out. That'd be pretty good. Anyways, it's a Halloween episode. So you know what we do here. I like to tell stories and these guys like to listen. So I have this thing that I've wrote together. Hold on. Check us out. <clears throat> come gather around. Come unto thee as I tell you a tale of these curses three. Ooh. Yes. Thank so, you. That felt so cool so what kind of costume are you bring, Are you bringing this into like a haunted like carnival? Yeah, I think house? so. I was gonna say mar- mortician. I was gonna say crib keeper kind of style, but then I realized I'm a little too big to be the crib keeper because he's made of bones. Oh, you can be your own guy. Yeah, you don't have to be. <laughs> It was supposed to be a joke. You don't have to feel sorry for me. You gotta have no. You gotta like. There has to be a tank top, like type of outfit. Yeah, just like the uh, uh, maybe your fleshy or whatever, everywhere uh, else. But your free arms are just skeleton arms. 
Hey, there you go. I was going to say whatever. It's not Dr. Teeth, but when they did the uh, Muppets recut the trailer for House of a Thousand Corpses, they used Dr. <laughs> Teeth as, I forget what the actual villain from that movie that is, guy. but but that, that guy. guy. Oh, you mean uh, the, um, God, I just watched it. The main the fucking clown. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that's who I thought of initially when he's like the tank top thing. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what you, you open it up and he's just wearing clown makeup with like a tank top or it just says like, I fuck bitches on his shirt or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. Something weird. That's definitely Ben's attire. Uh, yeah. I definitely wear shirts. That's yeah. I'm. That's <laughs> something I would totally expect out of big Ben. It's all gig for bitch. your next year bachelor party. You're going to be Can't wait. Shirt this time. <laughs> Can't wait. Oh my God. All right, other scary things. I'm getting married in a couple days. Hey, not really that scared. Really excited to do that. Beautiful thing. Very beautiful. Especially because there's not going to be as much of a crowd. You won't be nervous. You won't wet your pants, I don't think. (laughs) I don't think I would if there was a crowd. I'm still going to cry a lot, and it's going to be Yeah, I'm ready for you to cry like a Well, don't don't cry too much. Uh, I don't know if you've peeked at the weather next week, but... uh, you could end up with a Christmas story type situation. No things freezing on you. If, God if damn the tears the last, run too much. The last time I looked, it was like supposed to be 50 degrees and Amber told me to stop looking. <laughs> <laughs> At least so, the boys probably have some of those outdoor. Uh, they do. Things, it's going to be fine. Oh, We're, it's going to be nice. And toasty. It's going to be gravy. It'll be great. 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 All right. Sorry. Let's get back to Halloween here. So I have three curses I want to bring to you guys, and I can't wait to tell them. So I'm going to start. First curse that we have up for, I don't want to say up for bid. This isn't fucking buying it. Dollar Bob. the (laughs) (laughs) The first curse that I have. Is the Fleetwood Mac guitarist curse? What? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. So they had a little trouble finding guitar players, or had they had a little trouble with guitar players in the 1960s. Um, and I thought it would be appropriate to bring Fleetwood Mac up because they're kind of like getting a little. I mean, they always they always were popular, but now that with that that guy skateboarding chiller dreams, dreams, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like. So like it's kind of getting back into the mainstream a little bit more, even though uh, even though Rumors is probably one of the is one of the best selling albums of all time. <laughs> I'm gonna say I think the album shot back up into the top ten, and Dreams is, or at least was the last time I checked, the number one song streaming in America. Oh, there um, you go. It's one of those things of people might forget they fucking rule, and then everybody remembers again, and everybody that's been there the whole time's like, where were you? Right, right, right. So in 1976, or sorry, 67, my dyslexia there, Jesus Christ. Uh, and Stevie Nicks is a witch, so that, I've that's heard, already yes, creepy. That's, but anyways, <laughs> continue. In 1967, Fleetwood Mac started out with Mitt, uh, Mick Fleetwood, uh, John McVeigh, McVeigh? Timothy McVeigh? I know. I think it's McVeigh. McVeigh. All right. I didn't want to say McVeigh. Father like, oh, of no. Timothy McVeigh. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Bob Brunning. Peter Green and Jeremy Spencer. Now, their trouble. Spencer's gift. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Even though, oh God, he has a weird tail. So, let's get it going. The like first guitar really? player. Our tail, T A L E. Our tail. Mm-hmm. Like, does he have a pre mortem? Anyways. Tail? Like, a, like a rat's tail. Like a. That you might put into Actually, a witch's brew for a curse yourself. <laughs> Isn't it weird that we just have, like, tails, too? I know, yeah. right? Dude, it what the kind of creeps guys? me out? Y'all really fucking. When I'm okay, fingering my butt. 
It's kind of creepy. I'm taking that and putting that into the intro. It's going to be great. Oh, just like great. fingering my butt. Bam, bam, bam. Where's Tony for you? Radiohead. All right. First guitarist that they had there, founding member Peter Green. Uh, he started the band as a blues band in London in 1967. Uh, and colleagues noticed that by the time they released their fourth album in 1969, <laughs> nice, nice, he was nice. going off of the rails mentally. Now, after taking large amounts of uh, hallucinogen hallucinogenic drugs, such as LSD, he decided to grow a beard and began to wear robes and a crucifix and told the band manager that he was Jesus. Uh, he became obsessed with the supposed, with the supposed immortality of, of them becoming rich and wanted to give the band's earnings away. The others could not believe he was being serious. Uh, touring Europe in March of 1970, Green binged on dangerously impure LSD at a party thrown by a bunch of rich communists in Munich. Uh, friends as one was, does. As one does. Yeah, Sounds you just go to... Cool. That does sound pretty cool. Uh, friends said he was never the same again, transforming from a mildly eccentric to fully-fledged basket case. Green, who said he had a vision at a party in which he saw an angel holding a starving child, left the band two months later, complaining drummer Mick Fleetwood had refused his request that they donate all their royalties to charity. Not surprising, he was later diagnosed with schizophrenia. Green spent time in various psychiatric hospitals in 1970, undergoing electroconvulsive therapy, and his friends were shocked (laughs) <laughs> no pun shock intended. treatment right yes liar yes. liar <laughs> give me give me shock treatment <laughs> apparently that's a terrible movie uh to find him in the almost continual trance uh so that was their first guitarist troubles right there peter green taking too much lsd thinking he's jesus and then turning out to be a schizophrenic that is pretty crazy um the second guitarist, Jeremy Spencer, slide guitarist, one of Fleetwood Mac's uh, original members, was notoriously wild on stage. Like he was imitating like Elvis Presley, Buddy Holly, all that good stuff. And off stage, he'd be like really quiet. And apparently, he was like a uh, a closeted religious freak. Like he would just fucking know things about religion, and uh, he. He, sneak, he snuck away from the rest of the band on tour to read from one of the small Bibles he hid in the linings of his jacket. Uh, former band members say Spencer, too, had a bad trip in the case, in his case, of the mind-altering drug, uh, Mescaline? Mescaline, I think that's what it is. Mescaline. Mescaline, thank you. We talked about uh, that on Glassjaw. I thought, so. I thought we talked about that. Like, it sounded familiar. Also, uh, uh, they drop it a lot in Fear and Loathing. Oh, okay. I should really watch that movie again. During during a 1971 tour in the U.S. after an earthquake hit Los Angeles, he had a premonition that something bad would happen. Uh, And it did for Fleetwood Mac. Spencer told Mick uh, Mick Fleetwood he was popping out uh, to Hollywood Boulevard to buy a magazine, and he never came back. So this is the classic (laughs) story of going to go buy smokes and never coming back. Except he was never just just disappeared. Now, been a good never magazine. seen or heard from again. Yeah, no kidding, right? What do you <laughs> absolutely? <laughs> well, okay, magazine. they did. He never came back that day, but days later, uh, they were really like worried about him. So they went out and they found out that he joined the Children of God, a sinister cult which oh, yeah. used which used sex to show God's love and win converts. Isn't that uh the one the phoenixes were raised in? 
Oh. Uh, let me There's look a reason why he real quick. is a uh, fellow. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> he was raised in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> he later explained, um, Spencer later explained that he was approached in the street by a Children uh, of God member. Go ahead. Yeah, that is uh, the parents moved to California uh, in 1969. They were married, and years later, they joined the religious cult uh, Children of God and began traveling through South America and Puerto Rico and the Caribbean. Oh, weird. And that's where uh, Phoenix was born. Oh, rock and roll. <laughs> All right, so the uh, there is know. a uh, documentary on Netflix called Children of God. And oh, it, uh, gives you a bunch of background on the cult it's good it's a good it's a interesting watch okay i was gonna say i believe that um spencer is still a part of that cult right now but i think they're going under a different name and i can't think of what the name is right now offhand um but that was an interesting one next up we have danny kurawan is that how you say his name danny kurawan i feel like i'm I should not really correct you just... <laughs> no, either way either way he was a very talented guitarist and a drunk um, at just 22, his alcohol uh, really took over. I mean, he, he went days without eating food and only existed on beer. Uh, he, he was increasingly mentally fragile and his sudden, and his suddenly loss, uh, and his sudden uh, loss of his temper over simple processes such as tuning a guitar. Uh, he would bang his, he would ba- be banging the wall with his fist. He hurls his, his expensive Gibson Les Paul guitar into a mirror, showering broken glass all over his bandmates. He then stomps off the auditorium, off into the auditorium, pausing only to smash his head against the wall until blood pours from his face, refusing to come on stage. He then spends the rest of the show heckling the band from the audience as they struggle to play without him. Little uh, that's some oasis shit. That right is, that there. It, it did <laughs> seem like <laughs> behavior. <laughs> alcoholism alcoholism it's just so much fun it's uh it's it's sad and this guy it went really extreme it went really oh that's really sad so uh he got fired right away uh and he developed mental health problems uh caused by his drinking and drug abuse it finally caught up with him and he ended up living homeless in the streets of london um mm. so that was a uh, pretty sad right there another guitarist um Bob Welsh, uh, a couple of years ago, I believe. Hold on. Yes. Okay. A couple of years ago, maybe almost a decade ago, they actually found him uh, dead. Uh, writing, a, he wrote a suicide note. He died at the age of sixty-six. Shot himself in the chest. Um, he had spinal surgery, and the doctors told him that he couldn't walk anymore. And then he told his wife, like, "Hey, I don't want you to uh, take care of an invalid, so please leave me." And then he killed himself uh, sadly so yes bob welch unfortunately passed away uh taking his life he was a young hippie father who was a successful hollywood uh whose father was a successful hollywood producer uh he joined the band after spencer joined <laughs> the children of god um Fle- uh, mick fleetwood credited welch with saving the group and the, he was like a sane good hubert present who kept spirits up in the darker years Sadly, he left the band in 1974, just before Mac recruited, or uh, just before Fleetwood Mac uh, made rumors. The last guitarist that I have listed here is Bob Weston. Um, this one's kind of a quick story because Bob Weston joined the band, fucked Mick's wife, and then got fired. <laughs> so, 
So they actually, it, it did, besides all that, they actually did cancel a whole American tour just because of that. Um, because they don't have a guitarist anymore there. So interesting, between 1967 and 1975, uh, Fleetwood Mac had issues with finding a guitarist. And uh, luckily, Lindsey Buckingham, who uh, w- was the member since 1975, broke the mold and he's still, still doing fine. I think he was with them in 2018. Um, so good. I'm glad that guitarists <laughs> are finally not dying and doing some weird shit. I just think it's interesting like the the interesting the differences of all these members mm-hmm. uh, and what they did so it's like uh-huh. peter peter green peter green lsd jeremy spencer joined a cult danny uh kerwin alcoholic bob welsh cal- killed himself though it was later um and then bob weston just fucked mick's, mick's wife and left uh mike campbell actually has joined of tom petty and the heartbreakers fame uh, oh yes after petty passed away he went and joined fleetwood mac so that's who's yes. playing guitar now in yes the band mm-hmm. yeah he's not dead so that's good so he's doing great knock on wood for that knock on wood i'm, I'm saying i think it's when stevie nicks joined the band that's why yeah because she really is a yes. witch she ended the curse she cursed the band until she joined it in 1975 there you go <laughs> all right that was the first curse what'd you guys think of that curse that was adequately spooky to kick us off. <laughs> yes. I felt pretty cool about that. I felt pretty cool. Like just, it was just interesting seeing like these five uh, consecutive members in a row that were playing guitar, just so happened to play guitar, uh, fucking lighten it up and yeah, die. And it's usually the drummers. Yeah. The pain in the butt about finding. <laughs> now let's take a little break here. A little step back here. Uh, you guys know about this curse, the 27 club. Eh, you know what I'm talking yes. about? Mm-hmm. Yes. The 27 Club is the, one of the most famous and creepy things about rock music with so many great talents having met their end at age 27. So let's give you a list of the people that are in the 27 Club. First off, Jim Morrison from The Doors, obviously. Yeah. Dave Alexander from The Stooges. He's in the 27 Club. Janis Joplin. Uh, Ron Pigpen McCarran, he is from the Grateful Dead. He is in the 27 Club. <laughs> Richie Edwards, he's from Manic Street Preachers. Jimi Hendrix, of course, good old Jimi Hendrix. Robert Johnson is claimed to be the first member of the 27 Club, probably because, you know, it's old as shit, you know? Yeah. He just weren't 100% on if he was 27. That's it. Yeah. Because his yeah. death was a mystery. Well, that's right. Was, that's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, Pete Ham uh, from Badfinger. He's a part of the 27 Club. Alan Wilson from Can't Heat. Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones. That rhymed. Chris Bell from Big Star. Uh, Jean-Michael Basquet from, uh, he's just a friend of Andy Warhol, I guess. I don't know why he's on this list, but it just says friend of Andy Warhol. I'm like, oh, cool. Sweet. Oh, I guess he was also the founder of the band Grey. My bad. I didn't read that far ahead. (laughs) (laughs) My apologies. D Boone from the Minutemen, Christian Pfaff from Hole, and Kurt Cobain, of course. And then, of course, Amy Winehouse. They actually, most this, this, yeah, this most recent one, this list is because of Amy Winehouse's passing. So, yes, the 27 Club, what a curse. I remember when I turned 27, I was like, ooh, if I die, then maybe I'll be famous. And I'm like, that doesn't, don't die, Ben. Oh, it's the. It's the other way around. It's it's mm-hmm. you're already famous and you just happen to kick the bucket at twenty seven. Uh, so then it just would mean nothing for me. Yeah. 
Uh, which is yes. why, like, it, it is a neat, I said, not neat. It's, <laughs> it's just neat. It's an, an, it's, a, <laughs> it's an interesting coincidence that, like, that's the age that a lot of inspiring talent passed away at. But at the same time, like, I'm sure if you dug into it a little bit, you could find that across the board, like into your mid thirties, uh, folks who have turned 40 or whatever, uh, maybe look at some of the ones who have passed away recently as like, Oh, is everyone dying around the same age and whatnot? But it, it's that kind of fixation with numbers that, uh, humans like to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, just thinking about that movie, the number 23 and how he saw it everywhere and stuff like that. Mm. And now I use it for everything. It's fucking dumb as fuck. All right. So before we get into the last curse, Kevin. Okay. So uh, much like last year's without the technical difficulties that I had, uh, I'm going <laughs> to do a quick, quick little lightning round of some spooky things. And this year I have chosen to highlight a few songs that are sampling horror films in their music. Uh, Shout out to AP for this. They put out this article earlier this year. Uh, I excluded one of the bands because I particularly didn't care for that song. Uh, You mean Alternative Press or the Associated Press? uh, Alternative Press, yes. (laughs) Uh, First song out here is White Zombie. As they pointed out, you could probably do an entire list just off of White Zombie slash Rob Zombie songs. But uh, on the song Spider Baby, yeah, 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 towards the end of the song, they sample the movie The Exorcist with some of the spooky chanting that happens at the beginning of that movie. Um, Step into my Dracula. There's also that song. That was on every video game soundtrack for five years. (laughs) For like... (laughs) Uh, next on the list is the band Municipal Waste with Guilty of Being Tight. The yeah. song opens up with a Municipal. clip from the movie Phantasm, which I recently had the pleasure of watching. And if you're looking for a schlocky B-horror movie that's actually really good, uh, give Phantasm and the Tall Man a Or with the orb. With the, the guy orb. gets attacked by the orb and is shooting out blood out the orb. It's See, wild. I think I uh, I actually mixed up Phantasm and Pan's Labyrinth, which are yeah. completely different <laughs> movies. Because mm-hmm. I thought, like, I watched, I watched Pan's Labyrinth expecting to be, like, a scary movie, and then I, like, was disappointed. And I was like, the fuck is this? This isn't scary at all. I mean, I think uh, fascism is pretty terrifying, but yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. I meant like the creepy fairy tale. Yeah. All right. Fine. Uh, Next on the list is Nine Inch Nails, the track Reptile. Towards the end of the song here as well, they take a sample from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's really subtle. Uh, You have to give an ear out for it, but uh, once you catch it, it's kind of obvious when when you end up hearing it. It's mm-hmm. really, really neat. Oh, that gives me an idea. If you don't have this on your list, I'm going to say one too. Uh, next on the list is the band Ministry with Cannibal Song. Uh, Ooh, yeah. I forget how we felt about it, but Hellbound 2, Hellraiser 2. Or I should say Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. They didn't do the Too Fast, Too Furious thing. That's my bad on the title <laughs> of that. Uh, Hellbound 2. That one has kind of a... Uh, looping bits of it 
uh, in the song itself, and then like one really clear distorted uh, sample from the movie. Uh, the line, the mind is a terrible thing to taste, Ooh. gets kind of uh, distorted and used in there. It's real fun. Uh, you opened a box. <laughs> you opened it. We came. Gross. For, the first Hellraiser is a classic. I'll, yeah, it's good. I, so good. I love that first one. Uh, next on the list is Slipknot with the song Eyeless. Uh, the song opens up with a sample from the movie Videodrome. Uh, well, kind of underneath the uh, uh, scratching of it. Uh, it's not the most obvious line. It's ease yourself back into consciousness. Oh. Uh, which is how they uh, do some of the uh, uh, hypnotism stuff there in Videodrome, but uh, it's still adequately spooky. Um, next on the list is Gorillas with M1A1. Uh, this one basically just uses Day of the Dead as like the entire song. It's just, just lines from that. It's just lines from that movie over. Uh, like soundtrack bits like it's it's basically just that if it was a song uh and what i thought i was gonna find as more of what what i was my project aiming out when i wanted to do this was uh the next on the list here travis scott off of uh his rodeo album the prayer uses candy man's theme as the sample for the music bed and he just wraps over that and that's what i was thinking i was gonna probably gonna find a lot more of but it turns out hip-hop is like always just adjacent they like to emulate a lot of horror uh soundtracks Mm -hmm. as opposed to just straight up using them and remixing them uh but that was probably honestly best song on the list here is i i really actually enjoyed the prayer the prayer is a one uh song here okay dig it uh next on the list is skinny puppy who's laughing now and as our evil dead aficionados here know that comes from the second movie in the trilogy there yeah. uh and to round out the trilogy coheed and cambria's june song provision only the demo version uses a sample from army of darkness but <sighs> Uh, the boomstick line is. I was going to say, yeah, because Red Hot Summer uh, was one of their like singles, and that uh, music video is pretty much Evil Dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was uh, fun. And then I know last year I put it as my number one album of the year, and I just couldn't remember what the the horror film was that the track "Blood of the Fang" by the band Clipping was sampling from. And I actually just got around to watching it this weekend. Ganja and Hess, a Neat little uh, '70s black exploitation zombie film. Oh, I was just gotcha. thinking about that song the other day too, and I was like, "Oh fuck, what was that song?" I am clip. So those are ten songs that sample horror movies. Damn it! I, w- I want to know what that other song that you don't like is, and that's totally fine. We don't have to say it now. You don't. And that is I our say session of. Audio infographic. Uh, <laughs> uh, the band is motionless and white. Oh, the song is "We Only Come Out at Night" and it samples okay. Bram Stoker's Gra- Dracula. Oh, uh, it's 
it's a good sample, but I I don't care for the band yeah, at all. That's not not my not my bag, baby. I do have I when you said the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing, I did have one band that I remembered that did a sample. It was Primus. They in My Name Is Mud. Ooh. Uh, they had the line dog will hunt. And I'm pretty sure that was from the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, like anything after like the first one was not the greatest, but I still, I still want to see four. Cause I think Matthew McConaughey is in that movie. Um, <laughs> that one's wild. Is it wild? Yeah. Um, uh, it has him and uh, Renee Zellweger is also oh, on it. God, that's, a, that's insane. It was just uh, like, go ahead. Matthew McConaughey plays a bionic leather face. <laughs> Like he's a robot computer. It's so dumb. Speaking of crazy McConaughey (laughs) movies, do yourself a favor one day, Ben, and watch Serenity. Okay. I thought you were going to tell me to watch the recent Hot Ones episode that I just watched. Oh, no. Was (laughs) Was it McConaughey? Yeah, it it was was McConaughey. McConaughey. He's great. I love that guy. But Serenity, that's a batshit movie. I can't wait. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, all right. So are you guys ready for the last and final curse that I have for you today? As long as I don't leave this episode being cursed, I'm fine. Yeah. Speaking to it. Like, please, please don't curse. It me. should be fine. If you don't. Well, first of all, you guys are over 27. You guys. Uh, hey, and a be nice. I'm over 27 <laughs> too. You guys have don't. never. And a guitarist in Fleetwood Mac. And then you guys also don't have any sort of association with Buddy. The immortal energy known as Benny Kane is not Way to just interrupt the way I produce, I inter- introduce this whole curse, the Buddy Holly curse. Damn it. Anyways, here we are. You do look like just like Buddy Holly. You do? And you're my Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Anyways. The curse of Buddy Holly if uh, anyone is familiar with Buddy Holly, he was very charismatic, charismatic and wildly talented songwriter performer. Uh, Holly achieved enormous success while barely just into his twenties, because he died at the age of twenty-two. He um, did fall down, go boom. He did literally, uh, and he was with his band, The Crickets. Uh, Holly set out on a disastrous national tour, the Winter Dance Party, with other rock luminaries in support of his new wife and unborn child. After a performance at the Surf Ballroom on February 3rd, 1959, he, his, he charters a plane to take him, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens to the next gig. Tragically, the plane crashed, killing all three. And uh, there's, more Buddy, there's more to Buddy Holly's story. An ominous, an ominous undertone supports the events leading up to Holly's death and continues through recent times. I'm not going to go that far into it because some of it is just like, coincidence that they, oh he met buddy holly once and then he had a heart attack 50 years later i'm like all right that's no. not that's not too much but uh, there are there are some strange events around holly's death followed by a list of musicians that i have here who died early and tragically and their connection to the singer songwriter and like i said i don't want to go too far into it because like some of them are just like yep he died and he just talked to buddy holly and said what's up all right so the premonitions Shortly before uh, going on the Winter Dance Party Tour, Buddy, both Buddy Holly and his new wife, Maria Elena, uh, were si- simultaneously disturbed by violent, eerily prophetic dreams. Uh, Maria, uh, Maria had a dream of a fireball descending to earth in the middle of the field, followed by an explosion that left a great gaping hole in the ground. When she woke up, uh, Nightmare, buddy. That's a dream. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> when she woke 
up buddy holly uh he related that he also had just a strange dream he dreamt that he his wife and his brother were in a plane his brother persuaded pers uh, persuaded holly to leave maria on top of a building which sounds crazy Sweet. with the intentions of returning for her <laughs> reportedly Ho holly was uh was uh racked with guilt for having left her behind in the dream and uh maria was supposedly to accompany her husband at the winter dance party tour and he convinced her not to go because uh she was pregnant and had morning sickness and is just like don't go don't sign you know it's fine um other warnings that buddy holly got while he was touring in england in 1958 he received an ominous ominous message from joe meek he's a british recorder uh, recording engineer and producer on the night of on a night in january of that year uh, meek had attended a tarot a tarot reading and the message delivered that night was February 3rd, Buddy Holly dies. Oh. Holly, Holly thanked Meek for the warning, but did not seem concerned since February 3rd had already passed. Buddy Holly would die February 3rd of the next year, which is fucking oh. insane. Oh. Final destination shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Anyways, the Winter Dance Party Tour uh, was plagued with problems as well. The tour buses continually broke down. The heaters refused to work. And both the Big Bopper and Richie Valens had taken ill. Holly's drummer, Carl Bunch, had to leave the tour after he suffered severe frostbite on his feet. In Holly's last song, It Doesn't Matter Anymore, it was released shortly before his death. And after the fatal plane crash, uh, Maria miscarried their only child the only child of buddy holly which is just fucking holy fucking shit that's a lot of sad that is a lot of sad that is very sad right that there. is fucking cursed it's a very big curse uh and we have to look at some of these um musicians and other celebrities i guess mostly musicians uh that were a part of this curse first the big bopper uh you might know him for chantilly lace hey he's good it's a pretty fun song he had the flu and uh Oh, sorry. Um, let me try this again. Was on a winter dance party tour enjoying the success of his single, Chantilly Lace. Uh, Richardson, which is his actual name, Giles, uh, Giles Perry w Richardson, he had the flu persuaded Waylon Jennings, a uh, member of Holly's backing band, to give up his seat on Holly's rented plane. The Big Bopper was the oldest member of the pl plane to crash, and he was only 28 years old. So he had the flu and was able to convince some guy to, like, eh, let me take the plane because I'm oh, sick. Waylon Jennings, who's still alive. Yes. Yeah. So he saved Waylon's life. Yeah, pretty much. Like, insane. Uh, Richie Valens, that song La Bamba, you know? Hey. La, 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 la Bamba. La Bamba. Yeah, Bamba. He also convinced Tommy Alsup, another member of Holly's backup backing band, and he, they, they did it, they did it uh, with a flip of a coin for the third seat of Holly's chartered plane. Jeez. Valens, like the big bopper, was also sick. Uh, he called heads and won, commenting that it was the first time he had ever won anything. <laughs> oh, oh, fucking hell. This really is cursed. God this damn. This is pretty cursed. Valens was only 17 at the time of the crash, too. And also, years later, Tommy Alsup, the guy that uh, lost to Valens for the seat in the plane, would open up a club named the Heads Up Saloon to commemorate the, the, this life-saving coin toss. Oh, holy shit. Like... <laughs> My wow. guy, could I, I, and, and you know, hey, great that you're alive and everything, but also, hey, uh, uh, Richie, if your he ghost really around is about his like, his buddy, hey, fuck you, hey. He really didn't give a fuck I mean, about his buddy. Like, I, mean, I should have called heads, bitch, tails, gotta, tails. I mean, you got to think about that. Like, that's some weird shit, man. It's like, haha, I lived, you didn't. 
the bar. I, that is, that is. <laughs> I lived you didn't the bar. Oh my gosh. Okay. <clears throat> so other people that were tied to Buddy Holly also felt this uh, curse as well. Singer Eddie Cochran. Um, he recorded a song called three stars in honor of the performers that were killed in the plane crash. Um, Cochran was supposed to have been on the winter party tour. Uh, and when he heard the crash, Cochran felt as though he had cheated death and was supposedly plagued by guilt and fear that death would come for him soon. Yeah. Some survivor's guilt. Real thing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Son went on to defend OJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Same guy. God damn. Johnny Cochran. <laughs> on, on, uh, April 17th, 1960, Cochran, his girlfriend, his hit song, his hit, uh, hit songwriter, Sharon Sheely. took his song with. Come on, song. <laughs> his hit song. And singer Gene Vincent uh, were on their way to London uh, Heathrow Airport from a return flight to the U.S. On the way, Ford Council, Council? Council? Uh, they were, the, the, the plane that they were riding blew a tire. Vincent... Uh, re-injured his knee that had previously been hurt in a motorcycle accident and he would walk away with a limb for the rest of his life. Sheely um, suffered a broken neck and back and Cochran was thrown from the vehicle and rushed to St. Martin's Hospital where he was visited by the original crickets, uh, Jerry Allison, Sonny Curtis, and Joey B. Modin, who was touring in England at the time and he died the next day of massive head injuries. He was also 22 years old and the last single released by Cochran was Three Steps to Heaven and the crickets were the backing band. Um, That's... uh, Fuck! pretty fucking insane right there there's more there is more i have a list oh my god let's bring so, back uh cute band names if we ever form names. a band let's be like the ladybugs the ladybugs that's actually pretty good i could take it with the ladybugs yeah <laughs> the aphids somewhere. um the stick bugs. aphids don't work aphids don't work <laughs> no okay no. uh the pine cones the that's I, not... I rock out to the pine cones yeah, <laughs> the pine cones it sounds like we would have like a cranberries vibe <laughs> yeah. Pinecones. I was thinking more like a modest mouse, but uh, okay, okay, you know, or a, uh, a Decemberist pool. Death Cab for Cutie kind of. That yeah, I guess if we're going more modern, yeah, all right, fair. Morty, look at me! I turned myself into a pinecone. Pine <laughs> the pickles? Oh, come on! The pickles. On, pickles. Not the pickles. The pickles. All right, let's uh, continue a... with all your sad bullshit, man. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's all curses. I'm sorry. It's interesting. Sorry. All right. The what next, awful things happen. <laughs> the next uh, person that was affected by the curse was Ronnie Smith. Uh, he was hired to replace Buddy Hottie, Hottie, Buddy, Buddy Holly for the remainder of the That's winter the dance party. Buddy oh, Holly, hell yeah, dude. Buddy Hottie. So Ronnie Smith uh, was the was the replacement for Buddy Holly for the remainder of the winter dance party. Uh, he joined Waylon Jennings, Tommy Alsup, and Carl Bunch. Uh, the band later recorded as the Jitters which is Jerry Allison, Sonny Curtis, and Joe B. Modin retained the rights to the name The Crickets. Um, Again, another cute name. I know, The Jitters. Ronnie <laughs> Smith was committed, uh, committed to the state hospital in Texas for drug abuse, and that was shortly after the tour. And on the 25th of October of 1962, he hung himself in one of the bathrooms, and he was approximately 24 years old. So... Right, we have we have more David Box, the original crickets, Allison, Curtis, and Maudlin also had their share of continually tragedy. 17-year-old David Box was brought on as their new singer uh, for Peggy Sue Got Married. 
Um, he recorded with the band for a few years before going solo. And on October 23rd, 1964, Box was killed when his his plane fucking crashed. God was damn. There, was there like an Epstein for like 17-year-old musicians? Well, no, he like actually hang out and well, here's the thing. get on planes and crash. <laughs> he was 17-year-old when he joined, but then he died when he was 22, and that's the same age as Holly was. And like that's kind of going back to the number that we talked about before with the 27 Club. A lot of these people died when they were 22 years old. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, just some of these people and just be some sort of coincidence. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm really bringing down the room. Happy Halloween, everybody. Um, well, I'm more just like, we're going to see picture of buddy hanging out with Epstein or something. This, oh, was, his first, this was his first beat was finding underage singers. Oh, that's it. Like, no, up. buddy Holly is actually holding baby Epstein. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Bobby Fuller I'm still how, somehow there being a perv. <laughs> <laughs> now they got the ties. Anyways, Bobby Fuller, uh, he admired and emulated Buddy Holly, and he was given the demo tape to Holly's parents who fo- forwarded it to uh, Norman Petty, Holly's former producer. The Bobby Fuller 4 had a hit with I Fought the Law, which was penned by Sonny Curtis of the original Crickets. The last song Fuller recorded was Love, Love's Made Me a Fool, which was written by Buddy Holly. And on, 19, uh, and on the 18th of July in 1966, Fuller, Fuller's body was found at, in his car at his home. He had been severely beaten. Uh, one, of his fingers, one, of his, one of his right fingers was broken, and he was drenched in gasoline. Friends stated that Fuller had recently been harassed by local mobsters, possibly in connection with a woman, but police judged his death a suicide. Uh, his death search... <laughs> I know, I know, he I know. He beat himself <laughs> No, he was just, trying to light himself on fire. What are you talking and about? And he accidentally just beat the shit off himself. <laughs> I'm kicking my ass. Do you mind? Uh, it's just that like Fight Club one, you know. What's his face is beating his Ed ass. Norton. Yeah, yeah, yep. Is uh, his, his ass. And he just went too far with it. His uh, like, his oh, that one more punch, I'm gonna die. <laughs> oh man, I killed him. That's it. His death certificate states that the cause of demise was asphyxiation or asphyxia and inhalation of gasoline ruled as an excellent accident. Jesus Christ. He was 23 years old. Um, the next person on this list. Here we go. We still got some things to do. Is Joe- you a listener? <laughs> it's oh my God. We're <laughs> listening to this episode. Joe Meek. Uh, he was the guy that gave the early warning that he went to the tarot. He went to that tarot reading and then told Buddy Holly, "He's like, hey, uh, don't fucking do this." So, Joe Meek was a pioneer of recording producer and a songwriter. Meek's works include "The Tornadoes," "Riding in the Wind," and "Telstar," which was the first song by the British by by British act to reach number one in the U.S. Hot 100. Meek suffered uh, from bouts of rage, paranoia, and depression, which were exacerbated by his drug use. Uh, he became club. he <laughs> he became obsessed with Buddy Holly, who Meek claimed visit him in dreams. Uh, and on the eighth Jeez. anniversary on the eighth anniversary of Holly's death on February third, nineteen sixty seven. Uh, Meek shot and killed his landlady before turning a single barrel shotgun on himself. He was thirty seven years old. Jeez. Um, Back then, the coolest thing you could dream of is a guy with some like thick glasses that plays a guitar. <laughs> Damn, that guy's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it keeps getting crazier. Phil Oates. What? Oh, sir. There's still more. I got, I got four more. I got sir, four more. Sir, this man just blew himself away with a shotgun. 
I got and four now more. you're just like, I, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. Yeah. Phil Oaks uh, was an anti-establishment folk singer who used his songs yeah. to protest, to use his songs to protest against the Vietnam War and to comp- campaign for civil student and labor rights. The FBI maintained a file of the singers nearly 500 pages long. Uh, Oaks sang a tribute to Buddy Holly on his final album, Gunfight at Carnegie Hall, recorded in 1970, released in 1975. And in 1973, Oaks uh, was assaulted and almost killed. During the attack, uh, he was strangled, which permanently damaged his vocal cords. And because of that, he sunk into depression where he hung himself in in 1976. Who uh, it doesn't say. It doesn't say who attacked him. It just says. Uh, I would assume it could have been, you know, uh, like the FBI. Government. Yeah, uh, government. Go. government. Yeah. Actually, uh, I was listening to a podcast where there was like a historian on there. Um, he has a book out that I'll probably throw on my reading list, but it's okay. cracking a lot of America's folk singers. He started with Woody Guthrie, basically, worked his way back and how they were basically all allied with like the communist party, but the communist party got intercepted so easy by FBI and stuff like that. And so you do have a lot of folk singers that were basically wiped off the map because they were singing around singing commie songs. So (laughs) who knows? It could have been. Can't have workers organizing people thinking that they uh, deserve basic human rights. That's what's wrong with you. Come on. Yeah. So like folk singing. Yeah. I mean, they really are about that shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I watched David Brothers last night from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Oh yeah, how and, was uh, that? They, it was great. Uh, they opened with uh, "This Land Is Your Land" uh, by uh, Guthrie, which Kevin's the first one that ever said that uh, to me. But ever since, I'm like, that really should be our national anthem. Yeah, slaps way better, way yeah. better message. Less racist. Yeah, that song slaps. <laughs> yeah, anthem doesn't slap. Anthem no. doesn't slap. Hard to sing, you know. <laughs> it's uh, this land is your land. Could, you know, we were singing it in elementary school and like it's a super, super simple tune to carry. And also, you know, uh, this land was made for you and me. Yeah. It's, we're here. We're all in this together. Absolutely. Absolutely. That bloody Kami. How <clears throat> dare you sing such a nice, hopeful message. All right, Ben. All right. Let's continue. Uh, I got a couple misery more. for us. I know. I know. So, I have to go to, well, let me think. I think I might say that one for last. Now we'll do it now. All right. So Buddy Holly's story, the movie that was made in 1977 was uh, a depiction of Buddy Holly's, Holly's life and career. Gary Busey, you know, he's not dead. He was portraying Buddy Holly in the movie. Um, after completing the film, Busey was involved in a nearly fatal motorcycle accident though. Uh, and Gitler, the, uh, the, um, Robert, it was written by uh, Robert Gitler, and after the movie oh, was released... Oh, you're not fooling me, Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, my name's Gitler. Uh, Robert Gitler committed suicide shortly before the film's release. Oh, just like oh. Hitler. <laughs> just like Hitler. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so then... Sorry, have... Robert. It was just a joke, man. <laughs> Rest in peace, Robert. Don't haunt me. Rob, don't haunt me. So, um, yes. Okay, Rick Nelson is the next one here. Uh, he had the songs Hello, Mary Lou, Traveling Man. Had once met a Buddy Holly. Uh, Nelson's hit Poor Little Fool was written by Sharon, uh, Sharon Shirley, Sheely, uh, 
Eddie Cochran, girl, uh, Eddie Cochran's girlfriend, who was uh, involved in the crash that took Cochran's life. Uh, and supposedly Nelson's last recording was Buddy Holly's True, Love's Way, True Love Ways on the 30th of December, 1985. Nelson finished performing in Gunterville, Alabama. He played Holly's song Rave On as his encore, and his last words to the audience were, Rave On for me. The next morning, he boarded his flight. Uh, he boarded his... Uh, he actually, oh, no. Hold on a second. No. Hold on a second. No. This gets crazier. We already know what's going to happen. We already know. <laughs> But it gets crazier. Okay, so um, he boarded his plane and made an emergency landing after the pilot detected smoke in the cockpit. All survived the landing. Wow. Okay. But okay. the craft. <laughs> but the craft then burst into flames. <laughs> it burst what? into flames. Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not joking. It landed safely. It was fine, and then the aircraft burst into flames. That's just it, like some Simpsons shit. It killed. It like killed everybody screaming <laughs> or whatever. Oh, we're safe, and then just. Boom. It killed. <laughs> it killed Nelson. It killed his fiance, and it killed his band. Uh, the pilot, like when uh, uh, God was trying to kill Travis Barker here just a while ago, <laughs> that he ended up in like three different accidents, and it's like yeah. the airplane was super similar to that. What's insane about Rick Nelson's story is that he got the plane from Jerry Lee Lewis, who gave, who was like selling his plane because of Buddy Holly. He's like, oh, "Fuck, I'm not, I don't want to get in no fucking plane because of what happened to Buddy Holly." So I'm getting rid of this. And thing. of so course, he stole what does the plane do? It fucking goes. It turns into a great ball of fire. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Yes, Kevin. Damn. Hell yes. Damn. I have to just take a little break. <laughs> that was the best. Holy shit. Good night, everybody. Good yeah. night. Good night. Uh, uh, that, 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 that was riff of the pot episode. <laughs> I really should have saved that one for last. That was the most intriguing one. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, it is the most intriguing one. But Play got- of the game. <laughs> <laughs> just made have- me. <laughs> Kevin's play of the game interest, just him like starting a magic arena game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last one I got is Del Shannon. On February 3rd, 1990, the 31st anniversary of Buddy Holly's fatal crash, Del Shannon, what do you think happens to Del Shannon? Uh, dies in a plane crash, obviously. Um, uh, he, very nice. He, he was about to turn 22. Uh, he recently either recorded a Buddy Holly song or played a Buddy Holly song live, and then he got on a plane, and then that plane crashed. Not How quite. Close <laughs> you're not. You're not. <laughs> Del Shannon. He has a song "Runaway" and "Hats Off to Larry." Performed at the Surf's Ball, uh, Surf Ballroom, Clear Lake, Iowa, the location of Holly's last performance. The Crickets acted as Shannon's backing band. And five days later, oh, Shannon, Shannon shot himself with a 22 caliber rifle, and he was 55. Oh, that's not a very big gun, dude. That was like, yeah. I mean, but you use any kind of size gun in a particular <laughs> location, it's going to work. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> and then just uh, just like little ones, like there was a Kurt Cobain tie. There was a George Harrison tie. Uh, Kurt Cobain's tie. It's really they played like, guitar. Ah! <laughs> Kurt Cobain's tie was for the music video in Bloom where they dressed up like Buddy Holly for and the Holly, music sure, video. Sure. Um, and then, you know, how he Why died. is Rivers Cuomo still alive? Uh, well, <laughs> see, that's the thing. 
<laughs> Mickey He's Welsh, dead uh, former basis of former basis of Weezer. Uh, Weezer gained its priority with the song Buddy Holly. Welsh left the band because of a nervous breakdown, attempted suicide the same year. In 2011, he was found Hanging dead in a hotel room. Do that to you. Wow. Wait, well, I didn't know you. They like I didn't. Wow, I didn't know any former members were croaked. Damn. Yeah. So uh, Michael Welsh from Weezer. So that's kind of funny that you brought that up, Kevin. Jesus. Oh. Okay, sorry, but that's the whole curse of the Buddy Holly curse. Yeah, it was a very if, I, if I'm going to go with any of the curses here being real, this this one actually feels like it's got some legs. It stopped kind of being coincidental here uh, a while ago. So, uh, <laughs> so we life lessons to... here. Uh, don't if you say Buddy Holly three Buddy times Holly in the mirror, mirror, you'll get haunted by Buddy Holly. <laughs> You're gonna die in a plane crash. So, <laughs> do not put on plastic rim glasses and sing in the mirror <laughs> sing 50s tunes all right that was our halloween episode thank you so much for listening uh i i, I love the halloween episode this is always fun i can't wait to do it again next year it's gonna be fun because i get to talk about some weird shit that makes you guys kind of upset a little bit sort of i i, I wasn't until this last one <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, that's Halloween for you. Gotta get spooky. And Tony looking crazy. No one can see what he's Recording from my dog's bed because my <laughs> laptop was gonna die. I saw you moving and I was like, I think his laptop is dying. So I plugged it in and I'm sitting on the dog bed with the microphone <laughs> in hand. The podcast in life. That's it. That's how we do it. That's how we make our money. We don't make money. All right, we're out of here. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll see you again next week. We talk about Rage Against the Machine. Get all political for you for election day. It's good stuff. All right, I'm Benny K or Big Ben. <laughs> and that is... Big Ben. <laughs> and that is... Twisted Testicle Tony. <laughs> Twisted. Wait, what? Testicle Tony. <laughs> and also, Kevin... Testicle torsion is a real thing. Watch you out, know, folks. Uh... <laughs> Ben, I hope you didn't just curse yourself because uh, instead of Peggy Sue getting married, uh, Benny K's getting married. Oh, shit. I'm so excited. Me I too. can't wait to cry. Yeah, me too. I'm going to cry. Kevin's We're gonna, all going to cry. Kevin's going to marry us. It's going to be great. He's pretty good at it. Yeah. yeah. That's, why, that's, why we, that's why we took him because I'm like, you did a really good job with, like, with Tony and Jess's wedding. Okay, also, I just wanted to say, when Kevin was uh, – was it was doing Tony and Jess's wedding. And I remember there was like one point where like Kevin kind of broke down after reading some of the things he wrote. And I'm just like, man, this guy is getting laid tonight because of what's going on right here. <laughs> uh, it was so not, good. not so much not luck quite, this but... next Saturday. Yeah, there's not gonna be too many people there that are single. My sister. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Anyways, oh, look at the time. I'm not trying to make fun of my sister. I'm, we gotta leave. We gotta get out of here. All right, I'm getting married. Okay, I'll see you guys later. And uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.